0: All right, well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13. We've been in a series called The Mind of Christ. I believe we're getting close to being through, but, man, the last few weeks, God has helped us so much, the things that are coming forth, so, you know, you don't want to miss out on that. You know, we cut cut the the series uh, short early. Because you just think you got to move on, man. We would have missed some some awesome things. So we'll move on when we need to. I believe we're getting close, but you know we'll we'll do it when we we'll move on when we need to. If you get anything good uh, in these messages, it's it's all God. We just yield to Him, but we give Him honor and reverence. You say, "Oh, that was good." It wasn't me. It was Him. We look to Him. He, you know, anything good you got, anything good you received, was Him. By the Holy Spirit quickening His word uh, to you in your life. And so we give Him honor and reverence. That's why we pray. <laughs> That's why we don't just come up and go, well, we got it. Let's just go. It's just, you know, we'll just, just give it. No, we need His anointing, we need His help, we need His ability. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13. It says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We we are renewing our mind to think like the Lord. Ephesians 4, verse 20, it says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We've read uh, this in a few different translations. In the NIV it says, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. In the Amplified Classic, it says to be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. So we're talking about our minds. We're talking about how we think. We're talking about our attitude, how we approach circumstances. And then let's look at 1 Peter 4, verse 1, in a few translations uh, as we've done. therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also, with the same mind arm yourself also with the same mind that the Lord Jesus has in the NIV arm yourself also with the same attitude in the CEB you should also arm yourself with his way of thinking so we said this uh, this is something we put on this is something we do on purpose this is not something that just happens that just drops on you or me It's something that we put on, it's it's on purpose that we think like he thinks. This, This implies effort. This implies us doing something. This implies us holding on to something. In other words, it's not going to just, just because you heard the word once or twice, you can hear the word once and change your thinking with it but just because you heard it, your thinking won't change. Those are two different things. You could hear the word a thousand times, and your thinking not change. On the other hand, you could hear it once and decide, that's true, I'm going to believe that, I'm going to think in line with that, and it changed your life forever. Ever heard the the phrase, one word from God can change your life? I, I mean... Uh, I bet you there's people in here that you could raise your hand and say that's true. I, 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 I was one way, I heard something uh, in the Word of God, and I changed, and I've never been the same since. It changed the way I've looked at everything since. Doesn't mean you walked it out perfectly, doesn't mean everything uh, was night and day, but from that point forward, you were never the same. Anybody say that's true? So that, but even, even so, something can come in, it changes, you see it, but you have to hold it. And we've talked about that. It's not automatic. You have to keep your mind in the right place. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to what everybody else is doing, but be transformed some, some way, that way is by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you arming yourself with something different, not with what the world is arming themselves with, because they're arming themselves with all kinds of stuff, all kinds of philosophies, all kinds of doctrines, all, all kinds of approaches to life, but they are not necessarily, and many times not, based on the Word of God. So they're going in a certain direction with a certain destination. And if we want different results, then we have to do something different with our thinking. It's not just trying to run the same play that the world runs and get different results. Well, I'm a Christian, so it's the Christian version of what everybody else is doing Really, the only difference is I'm a Christian, and so I try to do the same thing, but I expect God to bless it. That won't work. That's what some people are doing. They're really approaching life through human philosophy, human strength, human ability. And when you boil it down, there's really they're not approaching life any different according to the Word of God. They're just putting a Christian name on it, but actually trying to do the same things. That's not, what we're, that's not what the Word is saying. It's saying renew your mind to His way of thinking. Uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the Word of God. Put on the, the new man. Put off the old man. Well, those, these are all things that align with what God has said. Now, let's look at Philippians 4, 6 through 7. We touched on this in a number of ways you know, throughout the series, but I, I want to start here and then get into some specific uh, things this morning. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So look at verse 6 and 7, then we'll go to verse 8. But verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice that. The peace of God, you're doing something, so you're seeing things a certain way. You're going to do something with it. By prayer and supplication, you're going to God. Then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So something happens there. Verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think about these things. So what we think about is going to determine, of course, our direction. That's that's what we're saying, that by the renewing of your mind, you're going to be transformed. And so this is showing a process and showing uh, how looking at certain things and and, uh, approaching life with a certain attitude is going to affect our peace it's going to affect our minds and it's going to uh, guard our hearts. So I mean you can see a feedback loop, you do certain things, you approach things a certain way, it feeds back and helps you to keep your mind straight, helps you to keep your heart on target. Now let's look at Romans 15:13. We may come back to these the, to, to Philippians. Romans 15:13, It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So notice it says, You'll be filled with joy and peace in believing. We just read in Philippians that the peace of God that passes all understanding would guard your hearts. Well, peace and joy, they're coming this way. Joy and peace in believing, it says. Can you put that back up? It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So joy and peace, you can just leave it up for a minute, joy and peace are coming by believing. Well, you're believing, you believe with the heart, but that, that gets down in you because of what you're thinking on and meditating on. So lasting joy and peace. We're talking about renewing our mind, and right here we're talking about two things joy and peace that the whole world is seeking after. People are looking for lasting peace, inner peace. People say, I've lost my joy. Uh, life is bland. I don't, I don't have any excitement over life. Well, these things come and they come in abundance. It says, when you're believing, well, that stems from what, how you're thinking. What you think on is going to get down in you, and you're going, it's going to affect your believing. It doesn't just come just out of the blue. Joy and peace don't come from external things. Let's look at Romans 15, 13 in the NLT. It says, I pray that that God, the source of hope, will will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust Him because you're looking at something besides just what you see. Because you're thinking a different way. You have to be thinking a different way in order to trust Him, because trusting in God, if you're just looking at circumstance, is not where you end up. The world will just say, well, I, I'm just dealing with what is in front of me. But joy and peace come as you trust Him. They don't come just out of the blue. They don't come just because you want them. Let's look at 1 Peter 1, verse 6. It says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith Let's go back to verse 6. We're talking about renewing our mind. And we just read that joy and peace, they come by believing. I want to focus in on the, on the rejoicing, the joy part. But I want to see how these things are related and they come together based on what we're focusing on. Verse 6 says, "...in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need, you have been grieved by various trials." Look at that sentence. This contradicts a lot of what people, how they're living, and how we're all tempted to live our lives if we're not careful. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. In other words, you're going through something right now. Something is pressing on you, maybe mentally, maybe physically, emotionally. But it says in this, referring to what he's just talking about. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, which is believing, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to focus on something different in order for this to happen. In other words, you're going through a trial but you're rejoicing anyway means your mind somewhere that the world is not, that other people going through the same situation who wouldn't rejoice, that's not your mind is in a different place than them. If you end up feeling depressed and discouraged and want to give up on something, then Just because there's a trial, just because there's pressure, then our mind is in the wrong place. We're not looking at the right thing. We're expecting joy and peace just to happen. Instead of realizing we have to do something and arm ourselves with the right mind and look at the right thing. And it doesn't happen just because there is a trial or because there's no trial. In other words, it's not tied to circumstance. It's tied to how we're looking at things. Rejoicing doesn't have anything to do with what is going on or our feelings. It has to do with what we believe and what we look at. Verse 8 says, let's go, well, let's read verse 7 and then we'll read verse 8. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him yet believing. You rejoice with joy... "...inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Though you do not see Him..." Look at the beginning of verse 8 again. "...whom, having not seen you love, though, though now you do not see Him, yet believing, you rejoice." So you're not seeing something, but you believe, and so you rejoice. In the CEB, verse 8 says... Although you've never seen Him, you love Him. Even though you don't see Him now, you trust Him and so rejoice with a glorious joy that is too much for words. So even though you don't see the Lord Jesus, you trust Him. And so you rejoice. That and so is a result. Even though you don't see Him, you you trust Him. So even you could say, even though you don't see the situation resolved, you trust Him. Well, that has to do... We're talking about faith here in the context of renewing our mind. It's faith, but it's coming through how you're looking at it. It's coming through how we're approaching our situation and joy is not tied to what is going on. It is tied to how we look at things and where we put our trust. Let's look at the Passion Translation. It says, You love Him passionately, although you did not see Him, but through believing in Him, you are saturated with ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime and immersed in glory. That sounds pretty good. That's not probably the common language you use, but that, that is emphasizing the fullness of this joy. Through him, or through believing in him. Notice that through believing in him, you are saturated with ecstatic joy. Through believing in him. Well, you, have to, you have to have thought something about him. You have to know something about him. Your mind has got to be focused on him for you to believe have gotten down into your heart, because if you're, believe, if you're thinking on something else constantly, it will get down in your heart, and what you had for faith, it will, it will diminish. It will overwhelm you. If you're looking at something negative, if you're looking at the situation and the outcome and what could happen, and you will have help in this area. God is going to help you with good, but Satan is always going to try to help you go in the wrong direction. And he is going to bring thoughts to your mind. We've talked about that. And he's going to help you if you'll let him. He's going to help you go in the wrong direction. And joy will not follow that. Peace is not going to follow that devilish thoughts don't lead to peace and joy. They lead to fear, to anxiety, to depression, to hopelessness, anger. But God's thoughts, God's ways, are going to lead to joy. Well, this is a situation... Peter is saying, look, you haven't seen the Lord. You're dealing with trials, but anyway, you're looking at the right thing, and so you're trusting, and because you're trusting, because you're believing, you're filled with joy. What's joy? What's rejoicing? To to rejoice is to feel or express joy, great delight, triumph. I like that, the connotation of triumph, because if you're rejoicing, it has the, the side meaning of triumph. What is that? Winning. Overcoming. So when you're having joy, when you're rejoicing, when you're thinking right, you're actually thinking of Winning. But notice it's not just dumping us. People say, My joy is not there. What are we looking at? What's going through our mind? What have we accepted as true? Because right here you say, But that has nothing to do with that. I'm dealing with this situation. These people were dealing with situations. And the joy is not tied to the situation. See, that's the good news. The good news is that you can think right and believe right when things aren't perfect. I'm going to say that again. You can think right and believe right when things aren't perfect. That means every one of us is qualified to have joy and to think right now. Because what the lie, the lie is that you're not happy. See, that right there is the wrong terminology, but I'll touch on that in a minute. You're just not happy because such and such is going on in your life. Or this happened. Well, we're not making light of any situation. There's heavy-duty stuff that happens in people's lives. But what the Word of God teaches is that's not why you would lose joy. This is outstanding news this morning. (laughs) I mean, this, this is one of those things that can change the rest of your life. Because if we go through life believing that it's what is going on in front of me or certain circumstances that is the indicator and the determining factor in my joy and my peace, we're talking specifically about rejoicing and joy, Then we will actually be going from situation to situation our whole life and determine, and what is going on with that situation will determine how we have joy or not have joy. But if we understand what the Word of God teaches and we think along the lines of the Word of God, in line with the Word of God, then we can have joy. And we can be ecstatic in the middle of anything. Did I lose somebody? <laughs> see, that is where our minds can kind of glitch. Be like, well, see, no, but if we start going, well, yeah, but what, where is our emphasis? It's on what is going on. But it's specifically saying it's not what's going on. That's a way of thinking. Way of thinking is this: nobody could be happy through this. Well, number one, you don't know everybody. Number two, you don't know what everybody's been through. Number three, and actually should be number one: the Word of God says that regardless of what we're dealing with, that we can have joy. So if we think no, we can't. No, we. It, if something goes on in this life, surely if if this happened, such and such happened, then there's no way we can be happy. There's no way we can have joy. Then our thinking and our behavior then is going to follow that right now I have a license to not have joy, that anybody in my situation would not have joy, and therefore I don't have joy, and we actually yield to the wrong thing because we think that's a foregone conclusion. But the truth is that joy, peace, these, these, uh, they're really fruit of the Spirit, but they come through thinking on the right thing. They don't come from circumstances. See, joy Joy is a like I said it's a fruit of the spirit but it's not temporary. When when people say I'm happy or such, such and such made me happy they're looking at something temporary. Something came, something is, I'm happy now. Well, you could go, uh, that you can go so many ways with that. Well, what made you happy? I just had ice cream. <laughs> what, what made you happy? Oh, you know, I, I just got a new pair of shoes. I just got some golf clubs. I just got a new car. I just got married. I'm just gonna keep going until it hits everybody somewhere. You know, I just had pizza. Just got to watch my favorite TV show. I have a girlfriend. I don't have a girlfriend now, thank God she's gone. (laughs) Oh, I have kids now. I've always wanted, you know, I can't be happy because you know, I'm I'm married now but I don't have kids. (laughs) And then you have kids. Kids are awesome, but they don't produce joy in and of themselves. They, they they're a package deal just like every other human being on the face of the earth. If you're looking to a human being, I don't care who they are, you're going to be disappointed if you think they're going to make you happy. Well, I have kids and now you got to change diapers and now you got to feed them and now, you know, you're up in the middle of the night and but I thought this would make me happy. No, maybe tired for a while. <laughs> Not happy. You may be happy, oh, you know, it's just, in this world now, it's, it is, it, it'd be funny if it wasn't sad, but it's still kind of funny, the way people approach stuff as if it's all just the snapshot, as if it's not reality, because you know, you have, you name it, uh, you know, the different apps, I'm not going to name stuff, people post all kinds of stuff, and it's like, ooh, I got engaged, and it, here's the ring, and everything's awesome, and it's a picture. I'm not, okay, great, I'm happy for you. But that's not, that's not the, the crowning thing. Ooh, I got married. Okay, you know, you spend how much money, and you have now high dollar photography and video, and you're all dressed to the hilt, and you got food, and, and it's just chink, chink, chink. Wow, this is awesome. Great, celebrate, thank God. Now you have to live with the person. I mean, it's like, ooh, I got this new car. Yeah, but do you realize you have to maintain it? It's like this snap, snap. Hey, we're going you know, to have a kid, and, and the baby, and aren't they cute? Yeah, they're cute, but any mom or dad, no, there's a lot more work than just, hey, there's a picture. But you've got a whole generation of kids coming up there like, I want a baby. I wa-. You don't even know what you're talking about. You're a kid yourself. Oh, I want to get married. And they're thinking of some movie. It's like, no, you're, you're talking about till death do us part. It's not something, you don't get married to make you happy. You know, you'd be much better off if you're just having a bad, don't get, go get married, don't go have kids, don't go buy a car. These People act like these things are going to make them happy. You know, uh, is not going to make you happy, but if you want something that's just going to, Give you a little quick thing. I mean, go get an ice cream or something. It's mutt. You don't, you might deal with some stu- little extra, but you don't have long term consequences. You know, some dumb decision that, hey, I'm going to go, no, no, go get a tattoo because you're feeling depressed. That, that lasts longer. <laughs> Think about it. You want to go get a tattoo, go get a tattoo, but no, it, they don't come off easy. If you really, you know, maybe you get one of those little sticky ones where you just get, it. nobody knows for a little while. You got one, and you can say, "Do I like this or not? How does it look good? And does it look good on me or not?" But it it is not going to make you happy. You know, I'm sure we didn't cover a whole lot of stuff, but everybody's got something that's like, "Oh, you know, if I this makes me happy for a little bit." But if you know, if you've walked, you know, it's just it's not lasting. That's called it's an emotion. You're looking for something to make you happy. That's not lasting joy. That's not, that's not the word of God because that is, by definition, something on the external producing you being happy, which means if that changes, you're not happy. Yes. You know, I'm eating pizza, but now I'm full. I can't eat any more pizza. You may try to stuff it in there, but then you have a different problem or problems. Some of them show up real soon, some of them show up later. You know, the first thing is, man, you're so full, it hurts. That's not a good place to be. So you just, you can't get any more whatever you like to eat. Maybe you don't like pizza. I like pizza. Chocolate, whatever. You just can't, you can't get any more in there. Now, you could wait a little while it digest and then try to stuff more in, but you could only do that so far. But the, the, the point is, You get to a place where, whatever that was, you can't can't do that more. Or, you know, okay, I'm going to watch a bunch of TV shows, but you get to the point where you got to go to work. I want to play this game, and okay, so you play the game, but you know, you you don't have so much time, and did you really want to spend all that time? But while I'm playing, I'm really happy, quote-unquote. But then I get done, and now I'm not. All these things are temporary. They, They... they are for a little bit of time, and, but that's what the world in general is looking for something to give them that. But that's a way of thinking. That The fallacy is something else should come in and I, while this is going on, then I am in this state of bliss and happiness. But as soon as it goes away, I'm not well, I'm really happy because I have this job that I love and that everything is right, but as soon as something changes, then I'm not. You know, I I like it when I'm in this classroom because I really like this teacher, but you're not going to be around that teacher forever. And then you go on to the next class and, oh, I don't like school anymore because I don't have that teacher or I don't have this class. That's subject to change. I mean, even in the same class, the teacher could move to a different school or you know something happened. get pregnant have a baby and oh they're not going to be there the rest of the year and then what uh, what i wait what? all these things are examples of something that we if we're looking if we think something else out here will, that's what i need to have joy to have peace to be able to rejoice I am believing a lie. And the result of that will, I, will be, I will look for things to try to get me to feel right and feel joy. And I certainly can't rejoice if everything isn't, isn't just right. That will lead to a string of looking for the next feeling. Joy is not a temporary emotion, it is found in believing. When we're talking about thinking, right, we're, we're thinking that, wait a minute, I don't find it in any of the circumstances. I find it only in the Lord Jesus Christ, and even in the midst of this circumstance, I can still rejoice... And that is a mindset that's looking through our situation or at our situation through the word of God and then we can have joy right now. In an unrenewed mind we can have a thought that yeah, but I have to get this taken care of. No, that's not that's not the word. As long as we believe that, think that, we are actually looking, we are we are looking at the situation wrong. No matter what we throw at it, it's going to come out wrong because we haven't made the adjustment that regardless of what is going on, I can rejoice. Now, nobody said that's easy. It's simple. But nobody said it's easy. But it is a mindset. It is an attitude. It is an approach. It absolutely is the word of God that right now, everybody here, everybody on site, online, that'll hear this message in the future, regardless of the situation that we may be facing, we can have joy now and we can rejoice now. That is a thinking, a mindset. We spent a whole series on this last year. If you you didn't hear it... I encourage you to go back and, and look at it on our website. What's the name of that series now? The Choice to Rejoice. Thank you. Sometimes you're not hooked up with your mind. You're hooked up with your heart. And it's like, I, I don't remember the, the name of that. It's called The Choice to Rejoice, but it's on our, our website. We spent a ton of time uh, going over this. And it, it, it was a, a great series. Um, glory to God. But in this context, I felt impressed to bring this up in this context. It is a mindset. It is the truth In a way of thinking that we can actually have joy in the middle of anything. That is a thought. That is a God thought. Now if we believe we can't, if we think no, then we're going to, our thoughts are going to bring us in a, in a um, path of action that includes, I, I, can't, I can't rejoice now because, but there will always be a because. And somebody's because may look very insignificant to you, and maybe vice versa. You know, we, we, um, we, we used a lot of examples earlier, but somebody that's in a different stage of life than you are, you may, they, they, it may be a cause of, uh, you know, a source of agitation for them. You may look at it and think you have nothing to be agitated about whatsoever. And they could look at your situation and think the same thing. You know, one of the biggest examples is being single or married. And some single person could be like, if I were only married and I have a right to not be happy until I am married, because the thinking is, "I, I just, I can't be happy. That's not true. But that could be the way we think, and if we look at that, then I cannot be happy Well, then somebody that's married could think, I can't be happy as long as I'm married to this person. I can't. I'm having trouble. I, I, you know, as long as I'm married to this person or they're around, I just can't be happy. And the single person can be like, "But you're married. You're married. There's something about that that you loved. And they could be like, you, you know, you, you have that checked off. Now you just deal with that and you work it out. And if they were actually thinking, now, now think about this, because this is what we do with our situations. The single person can be like, yeah, but you're just supposed to love one another. Just get along like the Word says. You're married. You obviously love this person at one time. Just get along with them. You know, read Ephesians 5 together. But don't, you know, just look at that and you know, all this stuff that people can be like, you know, it's easy to, to look at what you're spo- somebody else is supposed to do in the Word. When you're not in the situation, you know husbands love your wives. Wives, honor your husbands. It's that easy. Now, you guys are already married, but I need a, a, a... See, I can't... This is the single person talking. I can't even do that because I don't have my spouse yet. Therefore, I have a reason to be upset. You just work it out. But they kind of skip over the whole part of being content, of being looking to God, being single... And then the married person can be like, are you kidding me? You are upset because you're not married? You should be rejoicing every day in loving your life. You can do whatever you want. Why are you depressed? And seeing the person be like, well, yeah, but I, you know, I don't have somebody. Yeah, you don't have somebody. What are you upset about? Is this the truth or not? And the, the married person is but if I, I mean, now I have to do this and this and this, if I'm saying that they're thinking wrong, if they're not happy. See, they're, they're thinking, I, I can't, I, I can't function. Well, neither one of those are reasons to be depressed or upset and not rejoice. But you could look at somebody, I just use those as examples, you could look at somebody else and be like, yeah, but... That's nothing but my reason, I really, my because, that's really, I, I, I can't rejoice. Both, they're all wrong. And it's real easy to make light of what somebody else is dealing with. Well, I would just do such and such. Well, number one, you don't know. I don't know what I would do if I were in somebody else's situation if I've never walked through it. If you've never been in their shoes to be, to, for any of us to go, well, you just do this. Just get over it. If you've gotten over it and done that exact same thing and walked through it, then you should you would know how hard it is or not hard, but you would be able to walk through it and you would be able to, you would be able to uh, relate and you would be able to probably give some some meaningful, helpful words to that person. But if you've never walked through something that somebody else's, to to flippantly go, well, well that's that's nothing. We don't know. Amen? Amen. We, we should just leave that alone and you know, bring people to the Word, but uh, we want to be helpful, not like, well, <laughs> that's easy. But we don't know. Walking through something uh, may be very difficult. But we shouldn't negate what somebody else is dealing with. But regardless, what we should know is that regardless of what it is we're dealing with, it does not fall in the category of you got to be depressed and you can't have joy, period. For us to think that is a major thing, a major place that we can renew our mind, if we make that adjustment, we can start having joy today, right now, in fact. And that can affect every part of our life all the time. But if we think it can't happen until so-and-so gets resolved or... So, something changes, then for every day, the rest of our life, then we will, there will be something that will keep us from experiencing joy. It's a, it's a, a place of, of thought. It's, a, a, it's a, a change in our thinking. See, happiness, temporary happiness... Is thinking I have to have something in order to make me happy. Joy, or I have to have my situation change in order for me to feel good. Joy says things may not be perfect, may not be great, but what God has done, and through what He's done, my situation can be great anyway in spite of, and that is lasting and it's constant and it doesn't move based on outward circumstance. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4:16. It says therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but things which are not seen are eternal. See, what we look at and how we look at those things are going to determine what we experience. So what we look at, so you could have the temporary things and you can have the eternal things. If we look at the temporary things just in light of themselves, that can affect how we, how we behave. We could have the temporary thing but choose not to look at it and look at the eternal thing. And then, when we do look at the the temporary thing, we look at it in light of the eternal, which can help us to deal with the temporary. It's what we're looking at and how we're looking at the things. It is not, I am looking at this thing to produce something in me that only God can produce. It will never happen. And it leads, that leads to despair. Because if I'm looking to things that are temporary and were never meant for me to have joy, never meant for me to have fulfillment, and I try to extract fulfillment out of them, I will be disappointed. And when I can't find it there, where am I going to find it? If I think that's where it's found and I can't find it, I will be depressed. I will be hopeless because I'm trying to get it out and it doesn't work. You know, if you're trying to extract some food value or some food from something, you know, from a brick, and you think it's got to be in the brick, well, I suppose something could be baked into a brick. Somebody could have slip some food in there, but most of the time there's going to be no food value in a brick. And if you're going to eat the brick and think there's going to be food value and think you're going to be nourished, you're going to be disappointed. And if you somehow try to, you know, break the brick down, mush it up, put it in something else, and you're trying to get some value out of it, if it, it's never going to happen... And we look at that and go, well, dummy, of course not. But that's what people do all the time with stuff that's never meant to bring joy. They're like, yeah, but there's got to be joy in there. And so they try it for a while, and what they're experiencing is emotion, but there's no joy, no lasting anything. So when that wanes, it's like now I've tried that. I felt good for a while, this is it. You know, people. This is it. Now I found this hobby. Now I found this person. Now I found this job. But it only lasts so long. And when it goes away, you're left with the same pla- You're left in the same place. And when you're left in the same place, you, that happens enough, you start to think, I, I, I can't find it. But you're, we're looking in the wrong place. And as Christians, we can do this exact same thing. We're looking for the next truth that's going to make me feel good instead of... I mean, we need truth. We need the Word. But so many of us have heard certain words that we just have to adjust our mind and start acting like it's actually true, and it'll revolutionize our lives. See, we're not on a high. You know, somebody said like this, if you've ever gone to a conference or, you know, a set-aside meeting where you've really got immersed in the Word, it can change your life. Now, hear me, I'm not saying that can change your life, but it's what you do with it. You can get to where you think, no, I have this. This is going to change me now forever. It can change you. Not contradicting what I said earlier. It's all how you, what you, how you act with it, though. You get into something, I don't care, you know, you're in a week meeting, and you go morning and night, and you're just... You're, you're saturated with the Word. If we don't change the way we actually think, we'll start going back exactly the way we were before, and within a short period of time, the effects of that will go away, and we'll just be walking the same way we were before. That's not a bad confession. That's what will happen. Pastor Hagen mentioned, he goes, I, he goes, I give it usually about two weeks you get to where you think, oh, this is it. If you don't change the way you actually think and approach it, you'll be, you'll be thinking this is the change, this is it. But if, if you don't see things different, if you don't apply it different, you'll be in the same place. And the problem is now you think you've tried that. Now I've heard that, and that didn't work. And now I've heard that, and that didn't work. You get to the place where you feel like I've heard it all. I need to hear something different. What we really need is the anointing of the Word of God to illuminate it, to help us to see how we see and tweak that so that we can walk in the light of it. And every one of us right now, what we're talking about right now, if we've been believing that if it's just something else, people will say, oh, I got to go to Bible school and that'll change my life. That is not true. It will change your life. But if you had marriage problems beforehand, it's not going to fix those. If you're not doing the word beforehand, Bible school is just going to, it's not going to change anything. It's just going to give you a bunch of information. And that is. Absolutely. If you're called to go and, and um, if that's something that God has put on your heart, you can, you can come up, you can understand things, you, you can be a lot of it if you're, if you're actually going to use it in a, in a ministry. It's going to be for other people. You're going to get it deposited and you're going to f- pull it out for years. It's just going to be, it's deposited in you and then you're giving it out. But if you think, and people think this, I'm going to go and sit under the Word for three, four hours a day for two years or three years. And then when I come out, I'm not going to have to deal with certain things. You're fooling yourself. And then when they start walking out life and realize, wait a minute, i still got to deal with the certain things because it doesn't. People will go to Bible school and they won't go to church or they won't keep up on their devotions because they're being injected with so much Word they think they can handle it. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but we're just touching on it. Because people think, if only I could get this much, because some people, they're, they're not called to go, but they think that's the difference. If I could only just have this big, concentrated amount, then I could get over the hump, and I would never deal with stuff again. That's not true. You need the Word, and it will impart a life into you, but it will not walk the word out for you. You can be anointed to do certain things, but you're not anointed to have any special anointing to live regular life. So if you, if we buy into the lie, that's, that's just another one, that if I just had more of it, then I would get over. See, what is it? It's, a, it's, a, I, I'm, it's out in the future. I can't do it until... When actually, if we just brought it to right now and said, you know what, I have Jesus, I believe God, He, there's people in the Bible, they were going through terrible stuff and they could rejoice, I can rejoice now, that type of a tweak will change our trajectory forever. And every one of us right now, we can act on this, we can come up and we can believe that regardless of what may be in front of us, regardless, that we can go over. I, I had this phrase actually, I never heard somebody say this, but it just, I wrote it down in quotes to say this: to say, it's not over, I'm going over. It's not over, I'm going over. In other words, any circumstance that's not taking me down. I'm not going down with this. I'm going over it. It doesn't matter, and I it doesn't matter what's what's there, it doesn't matter what's happening. I I am going to rejoice right in the midst of it, right in the face of it. And I'm going to choose to believe that something else changing is not what's going to bring lasting happiness and joy to my life. It is acting on the word in the middle of it and then having victory before I see victory. Looking at the eternal instead of the temporal. Amen.